chat with Nicholas. He'll listen to you. Then he'll laugh, and then he'll cry with you. It's all in a safe space for you to speak your truth. Oh, come and chat with Nick. Hello, everyone. It's a Friday evening. I'm here doing podcasts with awesome people, and there's nothing I'd rather be doing. Matthew Ronick, the VP of Strategy and Innovation at Yaymakers an Amazon bestselling author, a speaker, LinkedIn top entrepreneurship voice, a Udemy instructor with over 130,000 students who've done his course, a super connector of team building events. What we're going to talk about today is about yay. And I see there's a cool sign behind you as well with a, a, a bright light bulb, which says yay. So we're going to touch on that a bit later. But one of the things I'm I'm slightly annoyed with is that I went onto your LinkedIn profile and I saw it said you're a top entrepreneurship voice. And I'm trying to always constantly get badges on LinkedIn because I love it so much. So talk to me how you got that. All right. Well, sorry to annoy you about it. And maybe I can help. I have, I just recently within the last three months looked on my LinkedIn and saw I had this top entrepreneurship badge. And I think what they recently used to have just top voices, now they have subcategories. So they've opened it up more. Um, I start talking a lot about entrepreneurship. Um, LinkedIn has also started these collaborative articles, starting with AI and then getting humans to just interact. So I've interacted with a lot of those. And I feel like the combination of that, as well as my following, has really helped that I think LinkedIn like noticed and badged me as an entrepreneurship badge. Now, I also found out those badges, I think I have it for 60, you know, another 60 days. I think you always have to keep earning it. Okay. So it's not like X and Twitter and that where you could just buy, buy a, a little badge. So it really means that you're one of the creme de la creme. You've got 15,000 plus followers on LinkedIn. I'm just about to hit 5,000. I think I've got 4,980. 4, so if anyone's listening, please go and add me on, on LinkedIn. <laughs> but 15,000 followers, tell me the process of getting to 15,000 people. And do you actually know 15,000 people in real life? Well, I think it's a combination of things. I do pride myself. I would say for somebody with those uh, amount of followers, I would say I'm fairly active. I try to touch base with um, hundreds, thousands of people at least once a year. So even if it's just on their birthday, sending a message and saying, anything, I will often, even in my network, I might see an article that I might send to 10 people at once. So I am constantly engaging with my followers or audience or connections, but it's been a combination of working at different companies, internally connecting with people. I was at Groupon and I probably have up about 15,000, well over a thousand are probably just old Groupon employees. I used to work for a company, the Tribune. I have quite a few connections with that. But I really have to do with consistently posting content. I'm seeing more and more people doing that. And also kind of like what you're doing, you having a podcast connecting with me. I noticed when I interview people and I post it on LinkedIn, whatever that company is or the person that works for the company, all of a sudden, quite a few people from that company start following me. So that's, that's a big part of it. I think some of my writing, the book, I've done some courses that has continues to increase my following and it kind of starts to snowball. And like yourself, now that I've been on a, several more podcasts, that's been increasing my following as well. So it's a combination of content, connections, professional relationships, and some podcasts. We'll go back 
a bit in history and mm-hmm. talk about your background. And I like to start off at childhood. So were there, were there any things that set you off as a child working at a lemonade stand, working at your grandfather's garage or something that, that you decided at an early age, I'm going to be an entrepreneur? Or has this been a later in life activity? So you talk about early childhood memories, stories. I, I, I give a lot of credit to my parents and my mom who just instilled for me not to be shy about who I am. And if I'm curious about something or challenge something to, to be bold about it. And so I've always been a little bit, I'd say, outspoken. If I have an idea, I like to share. And I've never been so intimidated by titles or different people. I mean, even when I first started the corporate world, if I had an idea, I'd want to go directly to the CEO and say, hey, I think this will really help. Now, it, but it started for me really in college. It was when I was a junior in college, I had an entrepreneurial idea that a friend of mine shared on a college campus at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where we started an advertising, I'd say, program. And I started talking to business owners as a student and starting to make some good part-time money. And that really kind of built my confidence as an entrepreneur, what my strengths, my weaknesses were. And, and that's how it really started for me is more my junior year in college. And then by the time I graduated or my senior year in college, that's why I decided, you know, I didn't even want to get a job. I'm like, I think I can take what I've learned and build from what I'm starting part-time. And I didn't even take a job right out of college. I actually started a marketing publishing business. Let's talk a little bit about Yaymaker because yes. I love the name and I love the concept and you've also written a book called Find Your Yay, Find Your Voice and Brand. Well, just to let you know, I'm the VP of Strategy and Innovation at Yaymaker. So I, I started, now what's interesting is I talk a lot about relationships. So when I was in college at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, there was another entrepreneur named Dan Herman, and he started a business with another friend of mine, Reg. They started a laundry business, but we started our business together and we stayed a little in touch 10 years ago, Dan Herman started a company called Paint Night. Now, this will all come together, but he basically had an artist in Boston, Massachusetts, teach people how to paint, and he grew it to 60 plus million in revenues. He's done over 300,000 events, and this was back in 2012. And by the, at that time, I was working for Groupon, and they were active on Groupon. So a lot of things were all kind of serendipitous on how they worked together. But anyway... When the pandemic hit, his revenues basically went to zero because he was mostly, the company mostly did in-person events. And it grew from just paint nights to other experiences like plant nights, making ukuleles, trivia, musical bingo. But again, he was in a scary spot because all of a sudden revenues went to zero. And that's when I was actually furloughed from Groupon. I was at Groupon for many years, but they were scared during the pandemic. And at this time, I was talking to Dan when it first happened and tried to help him with ideas. So we started talking about virtual experiences. He was starting to get some requests for paint nights virtually. I reached out to a comedian on Facebook to ask if he'd do an hour on my friend's platform. And, and again, Yaymaker's the umbrella brand. Paint night is what our most popular experience. But anyway... We started to snowball these ideas. He got very passionate. He decided to buy out the original investors. And, and then all of a sudden, he made me the VP of sales for Yaymaker. 
And we shifted from a B2C company, a business and consumer company, to a B2B company where we did hundreds of events for Google. We did events for companies like Salesforce, LinkedIn, universities, and not just the US, but Canada and even some internationally because we can do things virtually. So, so that's how I joined his company. And it really opened up opportunities for me talking about being an entrepreneur and entrepreneur him and some of the other senior leaders were a little more behind the scenes. So he gave me the green light to really be an ambassador for the company. So that's when I started posting more on LinkedIn. I started help get 60 new corporate clients for our company, a lot from our, my LinkedIn content. And that's helped inspire me to write the book, Find Your Yay, where I encourage professionals to share their voice and how the benefits can be both professionally and personally. So I think I answered most of your question there. You did. It, it shows my ignorance of American titles because the VP, again, we, I think we use slightly different terms around the rest of the world. So you've schooled me a little bit on, on, on how that structure works. But you, you mentioned something interesting there that you, you generated 16 corporate clients. Six zeros. Over, over six. Six zero. That's showing the power of LinkedIn and mm -hmm. showing the power of, of your message. Before we go into how you um, engage with them, what are some of the fun things other than playing ukuleles does Yay Makers uh, offer? So most of what we do, again, it, people know us a lot for Paint Night. So we have an, our own website called paintnight.com. And where we do those virtually hybrid or in person. But as I said, we do plant nights, ukulele making, mixology classes, wreath making, flower arranging, a lot of uh, theme trivia, you name it, 80s music. It can be television shows, movies uh, uh, themed so that's what we do. We do also work now with DEI and mental health speakers. So maybe that's more serious and fun, but we've seen a lot of companies, HR departments are investing in that. So we have a lot of TEDx speakers and authors that, are, that do speakers that we do, do a lot virtually. But we've worked with some celebrities. So that's been kind of exciting and fun as well. So, and we try and a lot of times companies will just reach out to us, whether they have 20 people or they have 2000 people. It's like, They'll say, this is what we want to do. This is how the theme. What can you do to make it more fun? We have a, a mentalist who is one of the best in the world. So that's been a lot of fun working with a gentleman named Wayne Hoffman. So we are working on quite a few experiences. Murder mysteries have been really popular. We have a, a company uh, that we partner with. and But all the actors and actresses are from England. And that's just, it's just a fun experience as well. So but you name it, our goal is to bring the yay to companies and improve that corporate culture and employee engagement and doing those fun team building events. Well, it, it does sound like a lot of fun. So you're not selling alcohol, you're not selling tobacco, you're not selling weapons of mass destruction, et cetera. It sounds like a very positive and happy type of business, which I'm sure a lot of people would love to, love to be involved in. Let's go back to some nuts and bolts here because mm -hmm. LinkedIn is, is one of the, the key areas that I, I try and train my students up to generate their profiles, to start building their own voice. And one of the things people struggle with is finding their unique voice or finding what is special about them. And especially when you're a, a, a young graduate, how do you build up your profile so that one day when you're a leader, You've got 20 years or 10 years of thought leadership behind you. You've got 10 years of saying this, the same thing. How do you find that? So that's a great question. It's always a question I ask. So there's a couple things. One, I encourage people 
and LinkedIn to find maybe five or six other profiles that you aspire to be. Now, I'm, and I'm always learning. I took, a, there's a woman named Hala Taha, who's a number one, top 100 podcaster, has over 220 plus thousand LinkedIn followers. I took one of her masterclasses to, and keep sharpening my saw. But that was one of the first exercises we did was looked at other profiles and thought leaders and LinkedIn leaders. And that helped me identify how I want to be a little more. Another thing was, who is your audience? Like, so for me, I really wanted to have CEOs, founders, presidents, those people kind of follow me more. Now I can see my LinkedIn and those are my top followers, our CEOs, founders, co-founders, presidents. But to your question is when you first start out, I think one is knowing the industry you're the most interested in. I'd look at that as one bucket. I'd look at what you think your role is. Are you somebody that wants to be a CEO, a vice president of sales? Do you want to be a, a, an accountant, whatever, an engineer, whatever it is? I, I'd look at that as another bucket. And then I also think there's a personal interest that you can lean in on. So I have a, a friend, somebody that I've consulted a little um, Noel Berkman, who also, you know, he's been a very successful professional chief strategy officer for a company. He had dyslexia. Now he still has dyslexia, but he actually leaned and became, started, decided rather than hide it, be more vulnerable and talk about it. And now he's become more of a thought leader from that space too. But I think if you have a personal interest and you're passionate about it and share business lessons. So I think if somebody can identify with you personally and you can integrate that in some of your content, that helps. And then the last thing I'll share is this, is I think it's really important to, to align whatever you're doing professionally to where you want to be. So if you work for a company that makes signs or makes websites, you know, think about content that can do both, that can connect with that. Because I feel like yeah, ideally, if you're working for a company, you want them to be supportive of your content. So I was very conscious on my content. Ever since I joined GameMaker, you talk about us bringing fun or bringing the yay, but I found broader topics like corporate culture, team building, employee engagement, employee retention. These are all really important, broader, more macro topics. And I decided to read more articles on them, interview more thought leaders on that, and make that part of my content and really build myself more as a thought leader in that space, which indirectly can benefit Yaymaker because we have a solution of team building events. So hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, I, I think, as you mentioned, the, the research side is very important. You don't have to start from scratch. You don't have to think, okay, I need to create a profile. What should it look like? Have a look at best practice. Have a look at what other folks are doing. And I had a, a fascinating chat with a very dynamic young woman who has written a best-selling book on Amazon. And she mentioned to me that there are 16,000 categories on, of books on yeah. Amazon. And she didn't even know she was a bestseller until she checked and, and had to look, oh, wait, I'm number 38 in XYZ category. And what she did is she looked at all of the other authors that were at number one. She yep. went and researched what are the topics they're writing about, what media are they on, what social media channels do they have? And she had spreadsheets and spreadsheets of this. And every day she researched and 
as sure as God made little green apples, she's now climbing up the ladder in terms of awareness, doing tons of podcasts, got great content on YouTube. And she's not, if I, if I put it this way, she's not, she's nothing special. She's not different to any one of, any, any one of us, but she has decided this is what she wants to do and she is making it happen. And there are two ways to make, to make it, either by luck and being at the right place at the right time or making luck for yourself. And that's what she's doing and it's, and it's working and it can work for everyone else there who thinks they, you know, they're not going to be Richard Branson or, or these yeah. folks. You can get to that stage, but it's by hard work and research. It, 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 you know, you shared a lot of interesting things and I did see a clip, I believe, that you posted on LinkedIn where I heard her talk about that. And it made me think about a couple things. One is, again, you can take baby steps when first starting content. I mean, you can just share somebody else's. You can share an article and talk about that. Ideally, you have some of your own ideas. And I feel like a lot of people are shy because they're like, what am I going to share that people will find interesting? What's that? But again, if you think about what you're saying and just share some commentary, that's a start. And then what you said, to be an Amazon bestselling author is not as is challenging as some may think because there's so many categories. I, I would, my book, I found there was categories I didn't know about. There was a, a short, like this, my book takes under an hour to read. And it, there was a, there was like an Amazon business short book that I was on top of the charts with for a, a period of time and different marketing type categories or things like that. And so there are, and I, my publisher was very good at finding the right way to market in the categories that really help build and, and now, even with the help of AI, I mean, I'm not encouraging people, but like AI, literally ChatGPT can write a book in, in two minutes or less, but, you, but it can be a great partner. So I don't recommend someone just utilize that, but to help flush out, think of topics, things like that. So there's, there's more tools at people's discretion to write books. There's more self-publishing help. And I'll share with you that there's, if you make that a goal, like I love talking to people. If anybody wants to talk about, hey, what are the pros and cons? What steps would you need to do on publishing a book? I love being that resource. I've helped several people now talk to others, find that right publisher, self-publisher to do that. But for me, it's opened up new, new doors. I mean, it, because of that, I got new consulting clients. I helped bring in new clients to Yaymaker. I've been asked to, for paid speaking engagements. I mean, it's really opened up doors in ways that normally I think it wouldn't. And to be on podcasts like yourself, you know, I notice other podcasters, if someone has a book that's, you know, that can be appealing. So, so anyway, so I encourage what you said. I mean, anybody, I mean, everybody's special in my mind, but everybody can have a voice and find a niche and, and they can break through by just making it a goal and just taking some steps to get there. Obviously she's a, a unique snowflake like all the rest of us, but I mean, she, realized that there was a, a, a way for her to get to her goal without having huge financial backing, without having all of the, the things surrounding, you know, typical entrepreneurs and, and folks who perhaps have been born with a silver spoon in, in their <laughs> mouth. So she is unique in, in, in that sense. Uh, I, by the way, I'm just... Annie, 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 I hope you forgive me for, 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 for how I phrased that. Oh yeah, I'm just being playful too. As I said, I, one of my uh, dear friends, Anderson Dulson, I have we we have this banter. We always kind of chat, you know, tease each other, things like that, and how so. So anyway, it's all good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> good.
you work okay well let's let's go back to find your yay and your book because you talk about finding your voice and brand we've touched a little bit on that and i think you've given you've given some some good tips and some good tips and trips here uh, and you've given some good tips and tricks here for yep, us to have a yep. look at you don't just support business at Yaymaker, but you're also an official member of the Forbes Business Council. Tell me about, I mean, that, that title sounds great, and I'm sure you uh, do some, some excellent work. What is, what is the kind of advisory work that you, that you support them with? So being part of the Forbes Business Council, it, I, I was approached by them. They saw, it started with my LinkedIn content. It started with my LinkedIn content, and then I started writing more articles and things like that. So they just said, hey, we like your writing. We'd love you to be part of this, our membership and part of this. And with that, I have uh, a flexibility, the accessibility to, to write for Forbes. So basically, I will, so if I have an article idea, I will submit it. They have a, editors that will go through it, vet it, make sure it's things. I mean, there's a lot of guidelines, but now I've been published several times in Forbes. They also, I'm part of several expert panels. So sometimes they'll ask, what can leaders do to improve culture? And they might get 12, 15, 20 people to share and they'll, they'll share and they'll do an article, but sharing the different opinions or things like that. So what this council has pro provided me has been an Forbes to, to write. It's also been great, a great networking. Some really impressive people at impressive companies that I sometimes do Zooms with and talk with and been able to collaborate with. But really, for the most part, you know, it, it's great for, you know, my branding. You know, the more I get out there, the, the better Yaymaker gets out there. But also, I can really share my thought leadership outside of just LinkedIn or my social media or things like that. It's an extra platform, and Forbes obviously holds such a strong brand name. Absolutely. We've, we've sort of moved around and touched on a couple of nice topics. Uh, and we chatted before this call about COVID, and it's very interesting how your business managed to pivot from person to person to having to go online. And it seems like it was actually a blessing in disguise for, for your business. Talk to me about the stresses in the early days of COVID and then how you managed to and how the business managed to change to online, what some of the stresses on, on that were and how, it, how you've embraced sort of more online activities so yeah well thanks for asking that because yeah it was again the beginning it was very stressful because again as i mentioned all our revenues were in-person events but it was kind of chaotic like companies wanted to feel connected to their employees and there wasn't much they didn't know what to do so we had the solution just the fact that we could ship our paint night kits to so many people at their homes was great. And then we have, you know, hundreds of hosts that we work, we could use our, some of our best hosts to host virtually. And it was a great ex experience. So there's still to this day, I'd say it's probably still about 25% of our business. A lot's been back to the office, but still there's a lot of companies that have remote employees that will either want to do virtual events or hybrid events. But where it was a blessing in disguise for us is it really challenged us on expanding our experiences finding new partners, as I said, adding speakers, celebrities, but also connecting with new companies that we didn't in the past. And then they could see we could be this, this event partner for them. So, I mean, it really, again, it opened up new clients for us, new relationships, new revenue streams, and 
And it really got us to really dig deep on who we are and how do we improve. And, and it's, it's constantly evolving. I mean, it's constantly evolving, but it's been fun to see companies that started with us virtually now saying doing back to office parties and having us provide experiences for them. So anyway, so it, it I, I would say it challenged us, but opened up new revenues and new opportunities and partnerships that have been really wonderful. Being able to pivot in, in times of great disruption is obviously the sign of good leadership in an organization. But again, it must have been terribly stressful uh, for, for everyone involved. But the other side that I see it is that you are creating so many jobs for a lot of people. You mentioned your hosts. I mean, this, that must have been super helpful for them during COVID times as well, that, you, that, that they were still able to, to, to make money. And I think that's, that's quite commendable, quite commendable as well. Well, thanks. I mean, one thing that we do, we've created a lot of part-time opportunities for people that love to be creative. So we have, most of our hosts are in the U.S. and Canada. We have some in South Africa, but we can do virtual events now anywhere. But when anytime any group or company or whether it's a batch bachelorette party or a birthday party, or they said any group, if they're like, Hey, we're in this city, this state, this province, whatever, we can typically find a host within, you know, 20 miles typically and find somebody that can find that date, that time and go directly to their offices or home. So that's been really neat. So I feel, I feel like as a company, that's been one of our secret sauces is having this network as you shared of all these people that we can work with that are creative and great personalities and can provide great experiences, but you know, they're getting, they're getting paid for this and they love it. So. Yeah. I had a interesting talk in our class this morning with a tremendous entrepreneur. His day and his week look like they are full of just generating ideas, running the business, doing finance, innovation, etc. It's a tough job being an entrepreneur. It's a tough job also being a VP of strategy and innovation, I take it. What, how do you manage your time? Because obviously to engage on LinkedIn, which is obviously generating revenue for you, you mentioned 60 corporate clients. These mm -hmm. are not hokey pokies. These are mm -hmm. you know, corporate clients. Your, the time spent on LinkedIn is obviously extremely valuable to both you and, and to Yaymaker. How do you manage your time? Are you AD, an ADHD type where you have to write everything down minute by minute, otherwise you'll forget it? Or do you have a more, do you have a, a less structured approach, more structured approach? Help some of our students think about what is your technique for managing your time and, and getting content out, specifically getting content out on time and on a regular basis. Well, thank you. I am, I am the ADHD type. I am a list taker. So I need to do that. That is really important to me where I'm literally every morning, I will literally write, these are the 10 most important things I need to do every day. I mean, that's, and literally I will make sure at the end of the day to go through every email, all my to-dos to just make sure that I got through everything. Cause every day there's curveballs and that, that kind of disrupt the day. So I, I would say time management is not necessarily my specialty, but but if I'm passionate about something and I found I've worked for companies where it wasn't as much of a fit and I wasn't as passionate about, but I'm passionate, the, I have natural high energy and like to do a lot of things and I like to multitask. 
When it comes to LinkedIn, I'm also a little different too because I have set up structure. So like Monday is more of a motivational quote or post and Fridays is more of a fun thing. And Tuesdays will be me interviewing somebody and Wednesdays can be a poll. So I've set structure that way, but I am constantly having ideas in my head and I keep a journal on all my ideas and then what I think can be content. So I can literally wake up, take a shower. Next thing you know is an idea come to my head and within eight minutes, I've got a, a post on LinkedIn. Now there's another company called Market Scale that I'm a little bit of, I'd say an ambassador of, but I'm utilizing their tools. They're helping me take video and, 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 and really in making it more engaging and dressing it, you know, give, making it more pop, making it into little clips. I really like this platform. It really helps, I'd say, companies get their employees to engage more. So you don't need to be a content creator to do it, but that's been helping me. But for the most part, I try to post five times a week at least, and, but a lot of my ideas are somewhat organic. And then when I, again, I, I'm a believer in getting thought leadership and content from others. That's why like once a week, I like to interview somebody else too. And even like this, when you have something, there might be a clip of this or something that, that I might use as content. So, but again, to answer your question, I feel like if you're somebody who is a little intimidated by LinkedIn, I'm going to recommend doing a crawl, walk, run approach. So for your audience, I would say make it a goal. If you've never, if you have a post in the last six months to post once a month and make it all right, maybe for the month of November, you pick a date, I'm going to post something. And then you pick the second time, December. So make it once a month and then think what's a post that is authentic to you, that's interesting in your industry that you know your company would embrace or your business or something. Think of one post that's relevant and, and don't worry if you only get two likes or hardly any engagement. It's okay. The idea is just getting more comfortable with. So do so that. And then eventually, hopefully, after once a month, maybe you do it twice a month, maybe you do it once a week. For a lot of people, you don't, I, I coach certain CEOs and I'm like, if you post once a month, that's enough. You don't need to be a content creator. Just keep yourself professionally visible let your employees, let the public, let your partners know that you're out there, some of the things you're working on. And it can be just showcasing a, a, another person on the team, a new project. It doesn't need to be special. And again, if you're kind of new coming up, share a project you're excited about or something that you've done or, or a collaboration with another colleague or, or shout out an, a client. Those are simple things you can do that's a, a starting point. So again, I'll, I'll keep saying this crawl, walk, run. And once somebody does a post that gets a little more engagement or they connect with somebody that they were extra excited that turned into something a little more tangible, then I see the ideas turn more in them and then they want to post more too. I see something that's consistent through a lot of folks that I've spoken about is the planning side of this. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you've got an idea of the the theme that you the theme that you've got in mind and you're quite consistent with that it gives you a little box so monday like you said it's inspirational then it makes it much easier than okay what the heck am i going to yeah. do on a, on a monday and i think if people keep that mindset keep it structured people know then what to expect on a monday a wednesday and a friday and it's not about posting every five minutes because that will also drive people mad i've, I've actually unfollowed people who create too much content because honestly yep. I don't do see that that name the whole time with random random things so 
that frequency is super important. It's been very cool chatting to you, especially about understanding your, your way of dealing with, with LinkedIn and how you've grown it and how it's valuable for both your personal brand, but also how it's helped generate revenue for your business. And I think a lot of people are worried about putting themselves on LinkedIn because they, are, they think, oh, it's too much about me. My boss might, might not like me talking about the company, et cetera. There's a fine line. We won't talk about that. Talk about that now. But I think you've got the, you've got that balance right in terms of you are generating new business for the for the for your for your organization, but are also helping to build your own brand, and that's a win win for both for both sides. To help other people figure this out, can I? Where can I send them to get your book, and where can I send them to to find you online? So the, find my book. They can just go to Amazon. The book is called Find Your Yay. If you type in my la- Matthew Rolnick, R-O-L-N-I-C-K, you'll find it. So that's with the book. And then, I, and by the way, again, I do love talking to people about if they're thinking about a book. I love helping people, you know, think through that process. So feel free to have them reach me. And, and then either, I mean, love people finding me on LinkedIn, follow, connect with me, things like that. But Matthew Rolnick, you should be able to find me. And, and then my, my, my email is mrolnick at yaymaker.com. Anybody who is thinking anything I said resonates, if they ever want to talk about corporate culture, team building, thinking about an event for their company or group, you know, they can always reach out to me. So those would be the things that I, to, to reach out to me. Awesome. Well, Matthew, have a fantastic weekend. Well, thank you so much. It was great being on your show and I look forward to staying in touch. Mm, come chat with Nicholas. He'll listen to you. Then he'll laugh and then he'll cry with you. It's all in a safe space for you to speak your truth. Oh.